The main reason Nick Saban apologized was because of Deion Sanders. It had nothing to do with Jimbo Fisher. Those two guys are done. He's concerned about Deion because Deion has a very loud voice in this platform and in this country. I think Saban is quite fortunate this morning that the biggest topic in the college football world isn't the baseless attack on Deion Sanders and Jackson State. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Paul Pondown. He's awesome. He's awesome. Not to dig on his show because it's worked forever, but like that's the kind of stuff I like about Feinbaum rather than, you know, the 15 goobs that call in as part of the bit, you know, and scream about SEC football. He nails it there. And, well, of course, I'm saying he nailed it yesterday. I thought that was one of the, you know, the real hidden stories, kind of buried stories with that whole attack by Saban, like, Bro, I don't think you realize what you just said about Dion, HBCUs, African Americans maybe not wanting to go to Alabama. Like, be careful. We'll get back to that in a couple minutes. Stanford Route's going to join us. We'll talk about Saban and Fisher and Dion and all that. Uh, but to follow up on our discussion about Anderson Hunt. So Hunt's going in the Hall of Fame, UNLV Hall of Fame this weekend. Mm-hmm. Wink Adams is going in. Yeah. And Wink's got his whole you know, era and the guys that played with him and he's a special player and was a, a great scorer, but obviously Anderson Hunt was part of the team, right? And they had, they had a lot of great teams. They had final four teams. They had, you know, their, their eras with the Hardway eight. And then like you mentioned with uh, Wade and Armand Gilliam. And then, you know, that era where they should have won back to back is an amazing era. And I think nationally Anderson Hunt does not get credit that he deserved, but you think about the way that team was constructed, right? Everett just said it. The alpha on the floor was Greg Anthony. And, you know, he's a point guard. He's going to be grading, but he's got to be that way, right? And then you got freaking super athletic, high flyer, can probably cover one through four, right? And Stacey Ogman. You got you got a couple of, you know, good, solid bigs. And then, of course, you got, you know, the guy in Larry Johnson. But he just he just told us, Everett Gray, when the way they built that team, you know, Tark actually built it on defense but on offense, They embraced the three, and you got this guy, I'm telling you, at the time, averaging eight threes attempted a game? That is insane. Like, it just wasn't allowed. If he played now, he'd take 15 a game. He was a great player. He averaged 17 points a game his final year, and, you know, as Everett gave us a story, Anderson said, hey, should I have stayed around another year? He should have. He should have. And who knows? Well, who knows what would have happened <laughs> because obviously then they the NCAA been... came calling, yeah. but uh, it's such a, that whole team is a story that needs to be told over and over and over again. And I'm glad to see Anderson Hunt is getting, you know, another bit of attention here with the hall of fame. He is. And, and to go back to my question to Everick is and when I said catches a bad rap and doesn't is, I think you, your words are probably better in terms of doesn't get the credit he's deserved. But that said, when he was arrested in 1993, for possession of marijuana. Like, it made headlines. And back then, there wasn't, like, the internet, and it wasn't, uh, there's was obviously no social media. You know, it's media. funny, being, being an East Coast person, I hadn't been out here yet. I don't even remember that happening. And yeah. now that you mention it, I'm like, who cares? But right. you're right, in 93, though. Right, back then. And so, like, I think I think back then, maybe it was AOL.com, but it, it there were other, he- because it went back to, like, Detroit and his area and so yeah. on and so forth. So, it was more so like, oh, the dis- what a disappointment, what he could have been if he could have done this, and those, those little things. And I just felt like that's what gave him or got him 
I say bad rap, you say doesn't get the credit he deserves. But yes, when you talk about history, and I told the story about that, that's a 100% bonafide, I'll never forget that. I talked to Mark Wade about it not too long ago. I told him that I tell that story all the time, is that, you know, we we shot to the mall, and he tells Armin and us to, to hold off, and... uh he goes and talks to this kid, and Armin and I were just standing there, and he comes, he catches up, and he's like, all right, guys, let's go. We're just going through the mall. Really? Young guys, yeah. I think we were looking for girls or something, yeah. you know, hanging out in the mall. Armin was a rookie. And if I'm not mistaken, Mark Jackson just got rookie of the year. We go to Caesars. Armin goes, I'll drive. And a brand-new Mercedes with the sticker, and it pulls up. Oh, wow. We get in, there's a Mercedes. We go to the uh, to the Meadows. Because back then, the Meadows Mall, you know, is that, Fashion Show and Boulevard. But yeah. we go to the Meadows, and... That's what happened. Mark catches back up with us. He goes, I'm telling you guys right now, Tark gets his kid. They're going to win the national championship. Wow. We go, who was it? It was Anderson Hunt. I've never heard that, that story. I bet, yeah. I bet most people haven't heard that story. Crazy, right? Yeah. Well, no, because it was only just between the three of us. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. That's a good story <laughs> It's to tell. fantastic, yeah. That's really it, good. It, and, and then, sure enough, there you go, that many years later, so... So we were uh, scrambling before we got to Avericks. I think I was uh, speaking in whatever, Pig Latin, some sort of foreign language. Speaking in tongues. Uh, when I was talking about the Mountain West Conference football, yep. so let's get to the football frenzy, okay. that Mountain West Conference football is going to get rid of the divisions, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just going to go with the two best teams for the title game, You know, make sure that you're not caught in this situation where you've got you know, one team that's you know, eight and one in conference, and the other team wins the division at six and three, and then beats out a seven and two team. So, and that's going to happen. I think everyone's going to go with that. And I bring up, you know, the Big Ten is a good example. the 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 divisions there are ridiculous, right? Um, so this will be interesting. Uh, one, this will probably mean with the pods, if they do, if they get aggressive and they do four team pods, that UNLV will have to be matched up less. Maybe even less now than they're matched up against the mountain. What do you think? Or will, the, will they get more well, games my, somehow? Because the this is the, this is the pod system I put together. I think I was repeating schools, and this is what I came up with. Um, if you do fourteen pods, um, I think one of them has to be Wyoming CSU because they're natural rivals. Boise and Air Force because I also think Air Force probably wants to be with CSU and Wyoming. That's a really good division if Wyoming remains a power, and if Jay Norvell turns around Colorado State. Um, I had UNLV, Reno, San Diego State, and Hawaii, which I think San Diego State would be thrilled with that division okay. for football. And then, uh, which I don't think will happen. I think they'll mix it up a little more. And then the other one, I had San Jose State, Fresno State, Utah State, and New Mexico, which is sort of a diagonal line all through. over the place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's my question: If you're going to, if you're going to go the philosophy of just taking the top two teams based on percentage, right? Mm-hmm. And then there'll have to be some tie, you know, bizarro tiebreakers too. Right, there's going to be a lot of ties. But if that's the case, what difference does it make if you break it up? Why not just leave it in in the two divisions, but then but it, make it clear that it's it's the total conference. Well, why have like, divisions then? Well, then why have pods? So, why divisions just for what? Are, what do you have pods for? Because I think you still want to protect some of your traditional local matchups. Are they labeling matchups. the pods, or are they just it's understood that you're in this no, I think quadrant? I, I know. I think they'll list the pods. Right. So yeah. you're naming the pods. You name the divisions. What, yeah. It's basically shrinking. It's it's breaking it up into three divisions. Right. They're not going to call them divisions, though. They're going to be pods, and they're going to do that everywhere. Uh, the Pac-12 is going to do it. The SEC is going to be a friggin' war, right? Because what? Texas A&M and Texas are rivals again? Oklahoma and Texas rivals? Okay, let's put all three in a pod. All three of those schools are going to be like, no, 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 no. We're not going to be in one freaking pod together. You know? 
everyone in that conference is going to be like, yeah, we'll take, uh, we want Vandy and Kentucky. Of course. And uh, Mississippi State, you know, and Ole Miss, once Lane Kiffin leaves and they, you know, they can't use their resources as much, that'll be an attractive school. You know, 500 program to put in your pod. This so, is just this, for this, football. Just for football. Yeah. Just for football. For, for, and then that way, then everyone will have a conference championship. What's the, uh, what's the trip you think I'm most happy that I won't have to make as much? Wyoming. If, if, how'd you know that? Well, who wants to go to Laramie? You know, one, they're, they're, the football program is actually good. No, I don't, know, I don't know if people were paying attention this offseason, but like and their, their team got raided in the transfer portal. They have, I have to I have to look it up. I feel like they had like eight guys go to power five schools. Like, okay. Um, and they did they play a brand. That guy's a good coach, man. They play a brand of football. They play bully ball. Yeah. They are yeah. tough. But I'm telling you, like I'm just talking about my personal interest. And also it's hard to get to. For if UNLV fans wanted to go on the road, it's hard to get there. That's, that's, um, but that's, but that's of the all problem. the cities, I know people bang on Reno and Albuquerque. Laramie, it's got its charm, and I'm sure you know if you like that region of the country, it's cool. But man, it's quiet. Yeah, and and the other part of it is if you go there at the wrong time of year, who knows? You know, I didn't check all of Colorado weather today. You know, it's snowing in Denver. It's great. Uh, our buddy Judge Dan, who works at the Fan in Denver, yeah, yeah. he's in Steamboat Springs. He like he posted a picture earlier. It's it's May twentieth. Yeah. He posted a picture earlier. He's like, yeah, they're using a John Deere like plow to move. It's May 20th. This is insanity. How do you people do this? Oh, it's you. beautiful. <laughs> 300 days a year of sun. Yeah, but like 100 of them, it's snowing in 28. Yeah. I've told you that story before. I think I've said it on the podcast. Is Back in the day when I was younger and my stepfather worked for the airlines, I could fly for five bucks. It was a service fee. And oh, really? I, we went from Vegas. I, I left Vegas for two and a half years. Went to uh, Plantation, Florida. And then Minneapolis. And I would fly home as much as I could to see my friends because I missed Las Vegas. It was between like 12 and 15 years old. Well, there would be times, and so, there was one of the years, not all the time, but one of the years I remember it stretched into May. But it was, it was always into April. My mom would drive me from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, to the, to the airport, and I would have moon boots with the down coat, the turtleneck, the whole thing, go into the airport, and I was a minor, so she could walk. And back then, you could walk people to the gate. Right. We go in. I go into the bathroom. I would get into clothes that you're looking at me wearing right, right shorts, here. Yeah. Get on the flight, fly to Vegas, and then fly back. And she'd be waiting for me at the gate, and I'd put all the winter gear back on. You people who live in this cold weather that goes all the way into May, get yeah. out of here. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It is young, mostly black men from mostly really tough circumstances generating billions of dollars. And who's sharing in that? An overwhelmingly white administration, an overwhelmingly white coaching staff. What do they get? A scholarship. Be happy. We pulled you out the hood. Maybe you'll have a better life if somehow, if, if you make the league or do something with your education. But what about right now when I'm generating all this money? What about right now? It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. Serious stuff, college football. It is serious right now. What Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban did the other day was absurd. Uh, Nick Wright from Fox Sports, you know, explaining you know what the the real backdrop is here that a lot of us notice about college football. And you got two guys. You know, older white dudes are making north of $10 million, and in one way or the other, those two and many others. By the way, they're both in on paying the kids 
but they're doing it different ways. But a lot of people don't hear that. What they hear is old rich guy complaining that 20-something athletes shouldn't get all this money. Stanford Route played college football at Houston, played in the NFL, multiple stops, of course, the Oakland Raiders. Being the most important one, Stanford is up with Willie and Cofield. Stanford, how you know, buddy? What's going on, fellas? Happy to be back on with you. A lot's going on. You know, normally we talk uh, mostly NFL, but I, I just I the the blow up between Saban and Jimbo Fisher has so many layers. When you heard or read the comments both ways, what did you think? Oh wow! At first, I was this man like I was like, man, like who pissed off Saint Nick? <laughs> because uh, you know you don't ever hear him talk like that. At least not about other people. He may say something about his players or his coaches if they suffer a big time loss in the regular season or the college football playoff. And so uh, when I heard those comments, I was like, wow! I felt like there was something subliminal. Maybe he's trying to tell the boosters, hey, you guys need to give me right. more money. Go ahead and give to these kids for the NIL, things like that. And then all of a sudden, whenever you see Jimbo with his response to it and even his second response to it that he made today, it just goes to show like, man, like obviously you saw some bridges burn and even spilling over into what he said about Jack State with Deion Sanders and Travis Hunter, it just goes to show that right there with the SEC commissioner coming out and basically reprimanding Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban and Nick Saban issuing his apology. It just makes you wonder what level of frustration was Nick going through? What happened? Kind of like what Jimbo Fisher said, what happened that didn't go Nick's way that all of a sudden made him so angry where he's now going to go ahead and air that dirty laundry out loud publicly for everybody to hear. Will the airing of the dirty laundry lead to anything like, you know, media really digging and, you know, that's getting dirt on, you know, how Saban works. I I think the one thing with Saban that's interesting is um, over the years, you know, when you lose recruiting battles, if you are offering, you know, spiffs behind the scenes, you know, kids and players remember that stuff. Not everyone lands at Alabama. I mean, you, you, you played college football. I just I wonder how many stories over the years you've heard about you know, offers being made to different kids. And it's amazing how quiet people actually remain years and years after. Well, yeah, I can tell you that pretty much every college football player, but especially the college coaches, every college coach knows of a college of another college coach who was doing something improprietary or doing something illegal or against the rules of compliance and things like that. So everybody is aware of the transgressions of all the other coaches within the pantheon of college football or college basketball or any other major uh, collegiate sports. So that right there is number one. So, you know, when you go and you break it all the way down, I can tell you like this. I don't think it is possible. I don't think it is possible to have a top tier school Mm -hmm. and you are tops in recruiting every year year in and year out you're getting the cream of the crop kids and for you to be doing that completely innocent of any wrongdoing i find that very hard to believe that is something that has been going on ever since i don't even know how far back when it comes to college football so i'm not saying anything new and that's why for this new nil a lot of people call it now a lot of people call it 
now it's legal. Mm. It's just yeah. simply finding yeah. a way to go yeah. ahead and now bring these players in, give them compensation, and now you don't have to do it as far as the little handshake slide the money up underneath your cuff link. Now it's just under the realm of NIL, endorsement, things like that. So the players are going to be able to come into your university. They're going to be compensated handsomely, and you no longer have to find a way to hide it. I think you nailed it at the beginning. Uh, Saban's frustrated maybe with some limitations he has in the state of Alabama um, and that they haven't been able to put together a collective quickly enough. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that he wants to clean up college football. He wants to continue cleaning up in recruiting, and it's a call to arms. Everyone at Alabama, like, hey, we need even more money, so let's get organized here because you don't want to be number two in recruiting. We want to be number one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think for uh, for Nick Saban, obviously with him being at the heap, being at the top of the college football uh, uh, totem pole for so many years and getting surpassed a little bit by Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs uh, last year in the college football playoff for the national championship, obviously he probably still has a, some ill feelings from losing that game, and it probably just kind of boiled over a little bit. But, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. Nick Saban wants to make sure that, hey, I know I'm in Alabama. Obviously those guys out there in Texas, at Texas A&M obviously have deeper pockets they're able to go ahead and throw more money at the kids and proverbially buy more athletes than, uh, than we're able to so maybe he was trying to go ahead and have a shot across the bow to the boosters or the president the athletic director or for Alabama to go ahead and try to tell them hey you guys need to give me some more money that way I can go ahead and try to compete with the Jimbo Fishers of the world obviously you see uh, 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 Lincoln Riley out there at USC the big time schools because now that the NIL is pretty much we're coming up on a year uh, 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 the full year anniversary of the NIL being implemented into collegiate sports all you're going to do is just see this get more and more rampant until the NCAA finds a way to try to govern this, tries to find a way to at least put some parameters around this, at least have some sort of structure because it's going to be the wild, wild west very soon. Stanford, when you heard his rant, Nick Saban's rant initially, you know, a lot of people were, whoa, he's calling out Texas a But I think the, the bigger outcry amongst, you know, especially media members – uh, you saw it on social media, was calling out Deion Sanders. What was your first reaction? And, I mean, he obviously came back the next day, and, and Paul Feinbaum said the the reason he was making the, the uh, apology was not because of Jimbo Fisher, it was because of Deion Sanders. I mean, yeah. I mean, clearly you could tell that Nick was frustrated. <laughs> obviously, for him to go that deep into it and to start naming people, start naming teams, naming coaches – you know, obviously, a lot of times within the media, within just the coaches, that realm, you'll see people that'll make a statement. It'll be a little bit more bland. It'll be something vague. It'll be gray area where it's not anything specific, where they may kind of elude to something, but they're not going to specifically speak on a certain school or specifically speak on a certain coach. For Nick to do that, that just lets you know the level of frustration that he was feeling at that given moment to go ahead and just let it all out and not be diplomatic, not be vague, not go ahead and, you know, make sure that he doesn't step on any toes. And you obviously would saying that about Deion Sanders, saying that about Jack State, saying that about Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies. Those are two bridges that he's now burned because both of them have come out publicly and said, I have no relationship with Nick, no longer will have a relationship with him. Deion Sanders said, no, I'm not going to take his phone call. We need to talk publicly so everybody can hear it, everybody can see it. It just goes to show that I don't know what Nick was feeling at that moment, mm -hmm. but clearly something had him burning inside for him to take that 
type of approach because oftentimes whenever you take that type of approach speaking on another player speaking on another coach and especially for coaches there's that unspoken rule that hey we all know that we don't do everything above reproach we do certain things underneath the table that you know what we may not want people knowing about and we may do certain things that may fall under the guidelines of legal <laughs> under the guidelines of ethical but for him to take it there oftentimes that's past the point of no return with a lot of other coaches because you always have that unspoken rule Stanford Wright the former Raider is here with us and from here I hope Dion weaponizes it big time I mean he started to he sent out a tweet uh, that next morning where he said uh, we as a people don't have to pay our people to play with our people uh oh like there's nothing, there's nothing Saban can do to fight back on that. And Dion, you know, and again, I think like Nick Saban forgets, like this ain't just FCS, like a small level of football. It's Dion freaking Sanders. Like yes. you attacked one of the biggest voices in college football, and if he wants to go freaking wild on this and continue to hammer it, you ain't gonna stop it. Oh no, it's gonna be very difficult. I mean, everybody knows who Deion Sanders is, one of the greatest of all time, one of my, my personal favorite corner to ever uh, play the game. So yeah, one of when his voice, when it opens up, when it illuminates, everybody is going to hear. So I, I don't think that's a, uh, I don't think that's a hill that Nick Saban would choose to die on just because he went ahead and overshot his mouth was in a situation where now all of a sudden it seems like he's just bloviating about something and obviously venting his frustrations and i'm not even sure to the to the to your point i'm not even sure what his true frustrations are because alabama's in the sec alabama gets a certain amount of dollars from the sec every year they get a certain amount of money from the college football playoff every year because they're always in it so alabama's not hurting for money <laughs> you know right, they right. may not be where ut and texas a&m are but they're not hurting for money so i think that it probably just stems it, it probably just boils down to them having the number two recruiting class obviously texas a&m had the top recruiting class and texas a&m just simply went a meager eight and four last year nick saban is always in the college football playoff if not the national championship game or winning a national championship game and i think there's a part of him's like wait wait a minute how was this guy beating me and it doesn't even translate to 10 11 12 win seasons on the football field you know and i'm going to take it to, i'm going to just throw it out there i don't think that i think nick saban meant to say Deion sanders name and i don't think that when his apology i don't believe the genuinity behind it i think that he had to he had to retract and say, whoa, wait a minute, I just attacked the historically black colleges because let's not forget that in December, Deion Sanders kind of shocked the college football world when Travis Hunter, the number one high school recruit, went there. Everybody was stunned, yeah. right? And, he, uh -huh. and he, they, Alabama didn't lose it. I mean, I think that he went from Florida State to Jackson State. But the bottom yeah. line is, I think he meant to say Deion Sanders' name, but it was after the fact that he realized that he attacked a guy who is at a coach at a predominantly or a historically black college, and you, in a sense, attack that entire conference and community. And as Nick Wright said on the rejoin, let's not forget that the a great majority of population of college football is made up of African Americans. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, Nick hit it right on the head because for a lot of co collegiate football players, a lot of them are minorities. A lot of them are black. A lot of them come from backgrounds that, let's just say, they wish it was a little bit better. And for so long, all you're gifted 
with is a simple scholarship, which is worth about 80,000 to, you know, 150,000, depending on how prestigious the university is and the cost of tuition and things like that. Well, these kids are producing so much revenue for the school. Like I'll go ahead and use University of Texas. I'm from Austin guys. And the money generated from one UT home football game, just one UT home football game can fund the entire athletic department for 10 years. And like I said, this is just University of Texas. I think they just surpassed the 100,000 capacity mark at uh, at uh, Daryl K. Royal Stadium. And you got schools like Tennessee that has been over 100K uh, capacity for a while, Michigan, you know, schools like that. And so when you factor in how these coaches, and like what Nick Wright said, these white coaches like Nick Saban or Jimbo Fisher that are making 10 plus million a year, and they're not doing this for, you know, one, two years. Like they've been doing this for a while and will continue to do this for a while as far as that large exorbitant salary. And you have these players that are simply getting nothing other than a stipend check. And now it is open up the floodgates. It's kind of like the wild, wild west where you got the NIL deals where now players are able to get con- compensated. You see Bijan Robinson down there at UT has a Lambo <laughs> yeah. deal. And mind you, this is Steve told me it's just last week. Yeah. Blew me away. Now he's got a Lambo NIL deal. Good Lord. <laughs> I was doing something wrong in college, guys. Yeah, maybe maybe so, I was going to say, maybe that's what Nick Saban's mad about. The Lamborghini dealerships are like Alabama. We're not going to Alabama. Maybe there isn't yeah, one in the state. Yeah, so, you know, he I think it really just boils auto, down to auto probably, dealers in the state. Exactly. So I think I think Nick is probably just feeling a little bit like his hands are tied. And now it's starting to feel like some of these other schools can simply outbid him legally. And he does not have a way to go ahead and try to combat that. And so before it was, hey, kid, you want to come to Alabama? You want to play a national championship game? You want to be a first-round draft pick? They're like, uh, sure, sign me up, coach. But see, now that they're being able to throw money at these kids coming out of high school at age 18, 19, 17, things like that, it is probably becoming more difficult for Nick Saban to be able to combat that. So I think it's just the frustration boiling over. Stanford, good stuff, man. Have a good weekend. We appreciate it. Thank you. Man, you guys be good. Talk to you next week. There he is, Stanford out. The former Oakland Raider. You picking up what he's putting down? Yeah, totally down with it. It's one of my favorite phrases. I don't want to use it. It's not, I sound like a cornball. That was a great phrase he used. Okay, I can't use it. We can use it during his – when he is spot, you can use it. Can we make a bet today? Can we just get this done? We got Fat Pack coming up, but we uh, have to finish up a Wednesday conversation where we're talking about yep. comparing the Chiefs and the Raiders – because we've seen projections all over the place with these two teams for the 2022 season. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Please don't talk about me when I'm gone. Oh, honey, though our friendship ceased it from now on. Right, just past the halfway point of the show, Cofield and Company. Willie is here. Steve Cofield is. We'll uh, we'll get to our bet. I think I think this is going to happen. Our Chiefs and Raiders bet. That's coming up in the Big Five. We're about 15 minutes away from updating you on what's happening with the PGA. Uh, we also have more news. Yeah, load up the tease board. Uh, more news from 
the A's in Vegas. And again, it's very, very light on details. I think the game is still being played. I don't know when it's going to end, but that's all coming up. That's all coming up. And more Aces content. That's in the Big Five. We got some comments from Becky Hammond. It's funny, Willie just got angry. I showed him a feature. He's very territorial. I showed him a feature in the Seattle Times. The columnist there wrote a nice feature about the Aces, Kelsey Plum. And I read on the headline, he's like, that was my idea. I suggested that to them as a freelancer. Yeah. Got to protect your ideas, man. Well, it's, you're kind of in a tough position because as a freelancer, you're trying to pitch the story. Yeah. And then yeah. they could be like, yeah, this, I got a good idea. Like that's not what, giving you any credit. And yeah, they have a, they have a story on uh, Kelsey Plum and her growth. Yeah. So that's how I enterprise with the, uh, it's kind of an old school journalism tactic when you get out of college, that's what you're supposed to do. But I've still done it as a, as a I guess I've set my bar as being a freelancer. NBA Summer League is NBA coming together, baby. But uh, Willie's got like 50 features on the way. I do the WNBA and I'll do get do all the visiting teams to come in for different hometown yeah. papers. But Kelsey's from San Diego. The Union Tribune, they had already done something during the Olympic year, three, three by three. Seattle Times, I call him up and say, hey. Or actually, I emailed the uh, sports editor. He emails me back like a week later. Hey, sorry I didn't get back to you, so on and so forth, but our budget's tight. I said, oh, you, you know what? No no big deal. It's going to move on the wire. AP picked it up, so I'm sure you can run it anyway. Well, so what did they do? They just wrote it. I got to read yeah, the, I'll have to read the no call wire. and see how much they took there's, from there's me. No, there's no wire. They're just, they're just doing it. They're yeah. just doing it. A um, couple of uh, relationship uh, stories to get to. What's going on with uh, Bungeon and TB12? Because... This got really interesting, didn't it? Tom Brady <laughs> retires for like two weeks. Most of us thought, man, he's kind of being forced to retire. He keeps talking about, hey, it's not about just him. It's about the family. He unretires. Then he also agrees to a 10-year pact following his career. Like all that family stuff went out the window. So who's got the reins now in the uh, Bungeon Brady family? Well, according to the boss, Giselle... I you know I want Tom's jersey next year to say Bungeon, not Brady. Anyway, Brady Bungeon? No, just Bungeon. Tom Bungeon. You've seen a lot. A lot of people, a lot with of players little, have done with that. With the little dots over the U, they'll put their uh, they'll, you know they'll put their mom's you know the maiden name on the on the yeah. jersey. I don't know. I, I haven't looked into the background. What's the? Uh, it's now because it makes for a great name. You know, D Gordon is now D Strange Gordon. Oh. So you know, it wouldn't be bad. What, if the, what would yours be? Uh, my uh, my mother's maiden name is very very much an indicator of uh, our background. It's uh, actually Gentile or Gentile. Gentile, which uh, would be about as Catholic as you can get. So from now on, you're gonna say Gentile. So. You know what's you know what's funny about that? Yeah, it would be Gen- it would be Gentile Cofield. Um, so people would actually realize, like you know, the, even though I look uh, you know very uh, very pale, that I've got some Italian in me. Uh, my older brother actually did change his name to uh, to Gentile. So you'd say, or genteel, if I correct, if I can pronounce my own family's name correct. You say, all right, let's get to it on a Friday. Willie Anka Ramirez is the company. <laughs> Why don't you just go with Anka? No, it's a, Willie it's, Anka. I, I'd rather just go on my own laurels. I'm good. I mean, uh, I mean, let's be honest. For both of us, going on our own <laughs> laurels to this point is it really working? <laughs> no. Maybe we both need a change. You, you might. I mean, my name doesn't mean hell. It's not connected to anything. But I mean, you, you may want to go. I'm good. William Anka. William Anka. Uncle Paul. Bill Pitt. Bill Anka. 
Uh, it'll like never be Bill, ever. Billy? Ever. Billy? No. I love, uh, I'll Billy's walk out the a, studio. Oh, I keep calling you Billy. But you go with Willie. What's it? What? Bill is not, it belongs like nowhere Bill? in the name. Belongs like... nowhere. It's like Dick and Richard. Uh oh. Belongs Here we nowhere go. We, in. We struck a chord. Nowhere in. We struck a chord. Bill belongs nowhere in. My stepfather's name is Bill, and it's ridiculous. If you wanted to call, I will not go with a formal Stephen because I think anyone who goes with a formal name, you're trying to say something about yourself, right? Yeah. Like uh, who, who's the 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 Nuggets coach all the time with the? It's Michael Malone. Like. Mike, there's call me William, and I have no problem with it. But I don't, I don't say it's Willie. My byline's WG. It just always has been. I don't know why. Right. So Brady said, Brady, uh, Giselle Brady, Brady said, said, or Giselle, Giselle said, who, who, said she's who, who, grateful that Tom Brady let her take the reins when it comes to the family. Right. Bungeon, they share two children, and he's she's a stepmom to his son, John Jack Edward. Um, but. She holds the title of Supermom in the house. Here's the thing that I'm wondering is uh, when your husband is Tom Brady and, you know, you're at training camp, you're at, in the season, so, uh, shouldn't you have the reins? Like, how is he the boss of the kids in the house? Where, what, what makes him? Because he's Good the question. And let's not go the breadwinner because uh, I'm pretty sure Giselle makes more. Until he go, joins Fox, but the thing is, yeah, I mean, you know, the unfortunate <laughs> thing for her um, with modeling is at some point, you know, there's a cliff. She may have you fall well. off of. Brady has already locked up a three hundred seventy-five million dollar deal yeah. after his career. So, well, I don't. I don't nevertheless, think it, I don't think it's about breadwinner. Um, you know, let's if you want to go back to we were talking about the Rebels. 89, 90, 90, 91 Rebels, and, you know, Anderson Hunt going to the Hall of Fame and who the Alphas were off the floor and on the floor. Right. Um, you know, you you could be surprised by who the Alpha is. So, the I don't know. The, I'm not surprised. The, the holder of the reins in my family was Mom. I was Dad not surprised. Dad may have been the breadwinner, and Mom worked. But uh, yeah. the, the hammer in the house was Mom. Well, same in my house, because but it was because it was my stepfather. Who I met when I was twelve, so I mean, he he really, you know, it was it was a typical step sort of relationship, and mom wasn't gonna, you know, so. But that's a whole other. Like you know that move I, I gave need a to couch you? and lay down and do. Therapy. Willie was talking about an encounter we had when we, you know, we were first starting to meet each other, where I I looked at you mm. and I sighed and gave a huff. Yeah, that like that's a that's my mom's move. It was, it was more of like just a, she's just was, she's just was, annoyed looking at someone like yeah. It was just a head shaking of disgust. God, what a, what an awful person it was. It was it was, and that is that sadly is my. Rep. I was always that nice. is my rep with most media people in town. They're like, this guy doesn't talk. I was you know, that's, kind. You notice the other thing at the game? How much we? I mean, we talked a little bit. I'm. I just sit there quietly. I just mind my own business. But people mistake that for I you know, doesn't want to talk to anyone. Well, no, he, I'm watching the game. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm tweeting. I'm taking pictures. I'm working. It's true. I'm trying to learn it's about. True. We know, we did talk, uh, but there got, was an occasional grumbling where he leaned over and goes, "God, this defense sucks." By the way, was I right? The we'll coach comes find, we'll in. We'll find out. The coach we'll comes in. But I noticed I was like, hey, they're letting up on defense. So so there you go. So uh, Bungeon is giving up some of the control to no, Bungeon, Brady. No, Brady's Bungeon, giving back the control. Who's got the control? Bungeon is giving him credit for letting her have the reins in the house. There's no giving back. She says, I just give Tom credit for letting me have reins. And I'm guessing. That does sound weird, doesn't it? Like, if you play football and you're involved in football like nine months a year, how the <laughs> hell do you rule the house ever? Yeah. So, like so you're just coming you like the reins. You're like a freaking. You probably have the, the reins over him, too. 
I think she does. I think that's why he was he retired for two weeks. Yeah. I think that's why every offseason he's like, eh, it's getting close. You know, we're sitting here. And finally, on the show. he was like, I got I got three seventy five no. on the table, no. and I want to win a Super Bowl ring. I'm Wait going back to work. We have you not considered this. We yes. have not considered this. How many times have we said? I don't know about Adam and Adam, but how many times have we said? You know what? After two weeks, Tom Brady probably was like, I'm not dealing. With it. I'm going. How do we know that Giselle said, you know what? Go play football, please. Just leave. That's true. She probably told him. That could him. be true. Yeah. That's the story I'm running with. That could be true. That's it. Oh, there, believe me, there are so many people, when they talk about relationships, they don't look at the other side, you know, where they're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm annoyed with my spouse all the time. Hey, you're no freaking work of magic over here, buddy. Or Missy. You're a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> believe me, I like I said... I've told this story many times. I, I I get home and I'm like, I wonder if this, you know, the SO is like, uh, you know, what's going on no, here? He's home. What is yeah, right? Yeah. What yeah. is what is he gonna do? What what's the complaint now? I went from being What is he gonna rant about? I went from being the really cool single dad when my when Jordan was single digits to now it's like went from daddy to dad to pops to <sighs> Jesus Pops good. I can't wait to move. Wow. Now the kid's making more than me. <laughs> good. It's beautiful. That's good. It's beautiful. You want to have someone to support you, right? He's got me covered. He's got my back. You, know, you need another knee surgery. Someone's got to pay for that. You're falling <laughs> well, apart. At some point this fall, we're going to need a sponsor maybe for some one of the segments. We're going to have the perfect segment. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was actually thinking, I, I thought you were getting us a sponsor for all the surgeries coming, all the breakdown. I don't know if you, if, uh, you noticed early in the week, um, Adam Hill had some issues at that concert he went to. His shoes melted, and uh, I, I knew the next day. I knew the next day when he came in, he was limping. I'm like, here we go with the bad shoes again. He starts walking around like that. He's limping. Yeah. His shoes take a beating. Because you, cause he, he, Adam is like, you know, he... He's out. He doesn't go spend money. He 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 wears them. You know, what's the... I can't remember the phrase, but like, you know, like a, a rich man will wear... Uh, you could tell how successful by the the hole at the bottom. The how how they wear their shoes down because they're always on the move. They're hustling. That's Adam. Is that right? Yeah. You know what's funny? I noticed. I I noticed Nick Saban at that get together that he was at where he started flamethrowing. He had his shoes up in the air, and I thought the bottom of his shoes were pretty worn out. Seriously, yeah. I just happened to notice that. Yeah. He's always working. Uh-huh. Seventy-two always, years. Always running around. You're hustling. Think running about, around. Think trying about to pay, you know, trying to get money out there for the. Pl- yeah. uh, oh, hold on. A legend. He doesn't do that, right? No. He, he's all clean. He's clean. Yeah. He's all clean. He doesn't do anything. Wrong. He's working so hard. He doesn't have time to buy shoes. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. At this point, Boston's got a better resume, right? On this, based on this postseason. Because you took out Brooklyn with two superstar players, you, you took you, you took care of business with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the defending champs, no doubt. And now you get a pretty tough Miami Heat team as a number one seed, and you go in there and you get a split. So their resume has been stronger than Golden State, but I still like the Warriors, and I think here's the reason. Every oh. other team that Boston is going to have to defend is going to look a lot different than what Golden State does. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. You've been around Dufiner before? <laughs> you got to follow him on Twitter, dude. He is, as he gets older, he's crazier. I'm sure he was uh, into whatever they did in the 80s. Um... 
He is so fired up all the time. He he sent out a tweet the other day. He's like, underwear, no underwear. I'm like, I don't, I I guess none, Stu. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, that was legs on the way back. Tim Legler, former NBA player, analyst for ESPN, jumping right to the finals that he thinks is going to happen with Golden State and Boston. Will get into what's going on in the NBA at the start of the Big Five. But very important uh, right now. It does look like Tiger is going to make the cut. He shot a one under today. He's three over for the tournament. The cut line is at four over. Zalatoris leads. He's finally done monster round. He's at nine under. One of the stories coming out of today's PG. Uh, you ever cover golf live? Yes. Ever on the course? Oh, here. Okay. Yeah. You like it? Um. Do you, do, do you do you watch yourself and where you are? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And have a head on a swivel because yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. enough people don't. And when I see fans lined up, you know that shoot on the tee, I'm like, no way, right? I know they almost never miss. Now, here's the thing, though. If you're down the course and you're in la-la land, right, and a lot of times you can't see the ball, but you got to be paying attention all the time. This ain't this ain't baseball behind a net, right? It can be freaking dangerous. So, story in a little while ago, Sage Steele, the ESPN anchor, yep. was hanging out on a hole, and... Errant shot by John Rom. Apparently, she got freaking just blasted in the face or the head. They said blood all over the place. She was transported to a hospital. We don't have an update on it, um, but it was one of those two where they said the ball goes left. He got Rom. He's like, far right. All of a sudden, the ball comes shooting out onto the fairway. Now, now it could be a case where if you know if I'm say, if I got hit in the head and the ball dropped to my feet, I would be. Like, you know, yeah, be mad, just mad in the situation. But it may have bounced off her freaking noggin. But yeah, it's dude, golf is crazy. And the, the even crazier one is when you you play, you're a duffer and you're playing, right? I remember one of my friends uh, were on the tee. He basically hits a rocket. Like I don't even know how he did it. Like off the heel, almost sideways, and it hit the freaking ball washer, like just up the front of the tee, and then almost hit someone. So like every time I play golf, I never I never stand in front of anyone, and uh, I didn't cover golf often, but I was always like, I was always ready looking around. I mean, it's I hope I hope she's okay because that that sounds freaking brutal if she got hit in the head and busted open. That's terrible. Well, you mentioned baseball. I mean, this is back to back events now because uh, Major League Baseball reporter Kelsey Wingert she was hit in yep. the head by a 95 mile per hour line drive at a Rockies game. Did you see the picture? She keeps showing yes. the updates. Yeah, with the. I mean, she's got like a split dome from her hairline. Yeah. So I mean, the, between that and then Sage Seal, because you you know you brought up a, the the net. Not everybody's safe, especially if you're in the media and there's back to back reporters. Oh yeah. I mean, you you go back. You cover a lot of you know you covered a lot of high school sports. You cover high school football, right? Yeah. Hey, I I cover high school football, and the other writers are sitting there. A couple of them on the sidelines are talking. They're turning around. I'm like, yeah, "What no. are you guys, morons? Like, I'm I'm like I'm a fat load now." But I, let me tell you, on the UNLV sidelines, I'm like, "Yeah, well, like, you got ready to, you know, I'm going to stance all of, like, even with because the dangerous thing is you'll you'll you know you put your phone up and yes. you're running plays, yes. and like I make sure I'm like looking over the phone just yeah. in case, like I am not getting hit in the face with a football or have some freaking three hundred pound dude fold me in half because you know I I thought I was in. You know, in the whatever, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a protective fence in front of me. 
Well, I'd always, you know, the, the, the camera guys from the TV stations, they'd be out oh. there because they want to get the play. They don't want to miss the play, and they, they get, they they, they get their too, legs dude. taken out. Are you kidding me? We're at the spring game, you and I, and I'm, th- I'm with, the, with the leg bandaged up two days out of surgery, and I'm wondering, <laughs> yeah, someone's going to come flying out, <laughs> and my dumbass is going to be back in surgery. You notice where I was for the spring game, right? Because they gave me a mic, and I was supposed to kind of do sure. very loose play-by-play. Every play. And I was I was on the field because yeah. I couldn't see. And I'm like, man, if there's a if there's a pick six here, yeah. like I'm I am gonna get crushed. No, I was I was ready, man. Yeah, I was ready. I may be fat, but I'm still nimble. I wanted to see him take him out. 